Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 530, a bonus episode in the middle of the week. Yeah, that's right. We're treating you right, I guess. If getting a free podcast is your definition of being treated right, then you win. If not, I'm really sorry. Matt Myra and Jonah Ray are doing a show at Stand Up Live tonight in Phoenix, June 5th. Uh, you can go to StandUpLive.com to get tickets for that. Also, I will be in Portland uh, next weekend, June 12th to the 14th at Helium. Go to HeliumComedy.com for that. I would like to thank for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, Audible.com. Audible has the audiobook that you need. It's it, We don't, in our crazy busy schedules, always have time to sit down and actually look at a page with words on it. We're a, we're a multitasking culture. Um, so Audible will help you multitask your literary entertainment. Personally, I, I, I don't want anyone to get mad at me for this, but a lot of times I actually prefer the audiobooks because uh, I really like to hear what the author's intention was uh, with a work. So for me, like for instance, listening to Steve Martin's Born Standing Up was so much better than reading it because I could hear him deliver all the jokes. And, and, and so for me, uh, I absolutely love audiobooks. Listen to them in the car, uh, just running on treadmills, whatnot. It's a great way to consume entertainment um, with free time. And don't let it eat into your podcast time, of course, but when you're done with your podcast, audiobooks are great. You can get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial today by signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash nerdist. That's audiblepodcast.com slash nerdist with a capital N. Uh, so grab a book, enjoy it. They have over 150,000 titles virtually every genre, you're going to find what you're looking for. So that's it. Thanks to Audible.com for sponsoring this episode of the Nerds Podcast, which is sort of like a turbo hostful, right? Because Pete Holmes is our dear friend, of course. Uh, you Made It Weird on the Nerdist Network, which is a huge podcast, a phenomenal podcast. And, uh, and the Pete Holmes Show, um, which sadly uh, is not being renewed, but at the time that we recorded this, no one knew that yet. Um, so it does come up, but and we were all very surprised to hear that we didn't know. And uh, uh, but it is running until June 26. But you know, Pete is just such a phenomenal talker and and just such a really great introspective guy that um, I almost feel like we should just have him on. We should just have Pete on regularly. But uh, this was a really fun, 
You Made It, Nerdist, Weird, Mashup, and uh, I really love this episode. So it will feel a lot like a hostful to you, I think, which will scratch that itch. And as I said before, more hostfuls coming soon. And uh, that's it. Episode number 530. Roll the thing! Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast. It's Welcome me, to you your fearless made host. it weird. I am Bate <laughs> Holmes. I just love Bate Doctor Holmes. Who. I love and to talk about I spirituality. Want... And oh no! For several hours. Ah! What? Come on. How are you going to keep this to an hour? I don't know. How are you going to do it? At, at one hour, I'm just going to. I'm just. Gonna... The you lights know, are going to go off. <laughs> the mics are going to cut out. That's, that would be one way to do it. Where's is Jonah down there? Yeah, she, I said she's Okay, I did too. Yeah, just go grab him and physically drag him up here, Kyle. Bazingagoo! What's your attack of the tall people? Uh, that's like giant Jonah. I don't like it. He's yeah, he's Kyle's too. He's got to he's got to be funny. He freak. He's, <laughs> I was gonna say he freaks me out. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> you better be funny. No, you know what I mean. Is I think there's something about uh, what was I just thinking about. The, the the feeling of not belonging because I just did Tim Armstrong's XM show yeah and that's all punk rock and I was trying to explain to him how even being a privileged white kid from the suburbs I know he's white too but you know what I mean yeah. it's like kind of like odds are in your favor at that point you live in a, a a big house nice neighborhood all that sort of stuff and then I was like but there's still a way that you relate to all this angst why. I mean, you and I fit in now, but the truth is, is like when we were growing up, I often felt like on the outside a little bit. I still feel that way sometimes. I still do too. And when I'm in, when I'm at parties and stuff, I'm sort of like, "Eh, I don't know what to do. Yeah. weird. Can I ask you this? Sure. Are some of the best nights of your life when the weird confluence of just like fearlessness, I actually think it is a lack of fear. I don't mean like you want to go bungee jumping. Yeah. I mean like you just feel like talking to everybody. You're like engaged. It's like. You go to a party, and for some reason, it makes sense to be at a party. Yeah. And then you have the best time ever. That's great. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Hey, Jonah. We cool. just did a great uh, podcast. Start, start recording. Ah. Oh, no, wait. We just finished. No, no, no. I was downstairs. Waiting. Hello, Jonah. Hello. Nobody thought you were late. We just jumped on the mics, freestyling. We just jumped on the MIC. Can't keep us out of the booth. That's the crinkles in this podcast that's tearing us apart. <laughs> Okay, that was a good read, but this time, can you do it with some emotion? Where's okay? I was gonna say, enjoy your burrito, everyone. Oh, hey, man, we just finished. Did you guys? I was gonna say, where's skinny fat? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, skinny fat. Is that what you call your dick? Wait, how could a dick right, be skinny? I'm going to put these on mainly See, to keep thing, it down. You're skinny, <laughs> but no matter what, I'll always think of you as a fun fat guy. Not, I'm not trying to put well, you down. Well, I have my heart, which in is your covered heart. in fat. <laughs> on the inside. Yeah, there's much guys, less. There's guys that want to throw down some pancakes. Oh, I, I can still throw And down. you're a guy that will throw down pancakes. Sure. You're, you're fun. Like I'm not actually, eat them? Like if they're delivered, he throws them down? <laughs> and he goes, I'm on Atkins. <laughs> I basically, uh, I'm stealing that from Joe DeRosa, who's also not fat, but he's skinny fat. Yeah, Joe's a good guy. And you're also skinny fat. We have now. the same aura. Yeah, you're similar, similar to dudes. Yeah. Uh, anyway. What's going on down there? Uh, hey, by the way, uh, the bowling show got picked up. Thank you. It did? Yeah. 
Hey! Pete was on that. He could have done it without you. No. <laughs> I'm telling you, so much of that pilot was <clears throat> Pete and Vincent Carthizer going at each other oh, yeah. in such a wonderful way. Pete and Pete Campbell. Yeah. Pete v. Pete. You the, guys had it out for each other when we did the web one. The, the web one as well. I, we have a, a strange dynamic, but then... He's always secretly whispering to me that like he he loves me <laughs> like he's like I'm on your side I think you're great but then cameras are on we're then like, cameras are Fuck on and, you. and Pete, <laughs> it wasn't even that Pete <laughs> Pete told Vincent Carthizer he looked like a ventriloquist dummy <laughs> <laughs> and every time he would go up to throw a ball Pete would go if you get a strike you'll become a real boy <laughs> but he, but then he, he fired wooden, stuff back he did he had a lot he well you know Vincent is not a uh, comedian. I'm not. I'm not. He's obviously very funny. Yeah. But uh, sometimes uh, <laughs> you'll go too hard. Comedians, I think, will hone that way. Like, how do I make fun of Chris yeah. without going over the line? Uh, Vincent would shoot with some. Those weren't rubber bullets. <laughs> <laughs> he was going right for right for the, the arteries. I, I forget. I forget. The first Did time you forget, we, or were they that harsh and true that I erased them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember the first time we did it for the web one. He said. Uh, like, I stuck my tongue out, and he was like, Ugh, you gotta scrape your tongue! Like, that's what he said. And then when we did the TV one, I leaned over to him, and I was like, I've been scraping my tongue. <laughs> I, I, now, I now scrape my tongue. You, you took that as Did a... he have any recollection of saying that to you? Nope. Okay. He didn't. Fair. He told me, though, that the meanest thing anybody ever said to him about Mad Men was, Did they take the fat from Rich Summer's face... And inject it into Pete Campbell's neck. Oh my gosh! And we had a good laugh about that. They're not. They're that that receding hairline is is fake. Fake. Yeah. They're what? not. Yeah. They're not doing it's him fake. any favors. It. It's really. Fake. Yeah. yeah. You, and you, you could see in the show because he wears his hair down. But when he pulls it back, when they weren't shooting, you could see it was all starting to grow back. They were basically oh. balding Pete. Oh, so oh, they're like shaving Campbell. down the. Yeah. They're it's dangerous. dangerous. They're turning. No, it's not. Into it's why is that dangerous? No, no. I knew. I knew a guy that, like, uh, for uh, a thing a long time ago, <laughs> shaved like with a razor, shaved his head into like a horseshoe, like he was had the male pattern balls, in, balls yeah, sure. in the horseshoe hair, and it didn't grow back right. It gr- it grew back curly, that, curlier than the rest of his hair. That Wait, just sounds what? like bologna. And I'm king of bologna. Yeah, you, you'll come on this. You you, you love bologna. You've all been on my podcast. Yeah, yeah. I love bologna. That sounds yeah, yeah, like you, a, a, and the a, Prince of Ham as well. A different. <laughs> That's a different type of baloney. Yeah, I don't. No, I don't it know. Didn't, it didn't grow back right. I okay. I guess that's true. Cool. Do you okay, want me to like go back true. in time and tell the thing that happened to me that it's not really happened? Wait, it happened to you? No, it happened to my friend. Well, then... not the friend. Some guy at school. No, 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 no right. because now some of your hair is curly in a weird place there. Yeah, yeah, it's because I'm balding. Oh, we all are, buddy. I'm on that train with yeah. you. That's why I wear a hat. What? That's why you wear a hat. Not helping you. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get the surgery. Fuck yeah. Oh, plugs. Oh yeah. How much is plugs? I don't know. How much are plugs? No price is too much. I think it's so probably like twenty five, twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, I got a lot to do. I got to get the skin cut off of me. I got to do the whole uh, plug some hair in. You know. Oh, you have like excess. I got plenty. Yeah, if you want some, it's right there. Oh, that's just yeah. skin. Yeah, that's just skin. Oh my god, skin yeah. with nothing in it. Yep, it's just empty skin. Someone cut it off. Sometimes yeah, I you got to like get that skin. chopped up. Oh, yeah. oh buddy. Oh, One, two, three, four. Can <laughs> <laughs> you play your new hit song? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, mommy. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. When I used to be fat. I'm just kidding. Why I used to have a soul. I'm just kidding. It's empty skin. Oh, wow. That was well, great. That was, that was my favorite Clash song. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your burrito. Yeah, keep it weird. What was I going to tell you? Keep guys? it crispy. Crispy. Oh, crispy. keep it crispy. Oh, it doesn't. It's fine. It's weird. What a fun time. Yeah, this is fun. Hey, uh, by the way, congratulations on your... Uh, for, I mean, it really is. We joke about it 
when we see each other about like Game Changer and everything, but the podcast, yeah, your podcast really just blew the fuck up. Like, did it? it yes. <laughs> I mean, in in such a big way. And and can I tell you that I never, if when when we were talking about doing the podcast, if you were like, you know, I want the podcast to be like two to three hours long, and be like, don't do that at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you did it your way, and yeah. it totally worked. I love I would have been wrong. Uh, that's so great. You know what? I would have been wrong too. I I, if, I never would have thought that going in. But that was the first thing I said to Chris before you guys got here. Is I, I was like, how are we going to keep this? To an hour. How long have you been recording before we got here? Five just minutes. Just like, not, maybe not even not five even, minutes. We are going to keep it to an hour, though. Right? No, we can yeah. keep it to an hour. I just realized uh, that w- it wasn't actually, no, it, I almost made it sound like a marketing decision. It wasn't. It was just like we'd hit an hour, and that's when I really started to feel the guests be, be pliable. Open up, yeah. yeah they they get a little tired, up. and they start to open up a yeah. little bit. Although, I just had uh, a frequent Nerdist guest on, on uh, my podcast was uh, Bill, Bill Nye, the science mm-hmm. man. Yeah. And he, uh, so, he, he, Bill Man, the science. He man. had somewhere to be. I'm, I'm not shitting on Bill Nye. Uh, I don't think he knew my show is. To, he, I know he didn't know. Yeah. So every once in a while, you get someone at the 40 minute mark, going, and they like, got to get what out is of here. this? Yeah. And then, and you also get that sometimes when people are like, "Why aren't you asking me questions?" Like I would just like to talk about your day and, and then see where that goes. Obviously, I think yeah, and that, that's why it's very hard to, um, you know. It, what you might get sometimes is people go, oh, can you submit some questions that you might ask the guests? Right. I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're sort of like, hey, how are you? What's your day? But I you just should did, do that. You should I just start did, sending Morgan, in just Morgan Freeman go? And Morgan Freeman was great. You did Morgan Freeman? We did. It was a lot of fun. Oh, he was really God. great. He, he, was really he good. speaks like Enjoy a character in his burrito. movies. And he's ama- he said it. He did? We, I said, I, look, I don't want to pressure you, but could you narrate the end of the podcast and say enjoy your burrito? And he, and he did. He did a little yeah. mini narration, and then he said enjoy your burrito. He didn't. He did. did. Yeah. What? Yeah. Not nearly famous enough to do this podcast. No, come on. <laughs> I just did. Uh, I, I'm I, glad you agree. Now, moving oh, on. Oh, Jonah <laughs> Radio. Welcome so to a turbo host, folks. Shuffling. Shuffling. <laughs> I just did, uh, I did Larry King's show today. Oh, the and, Lurking. The, and, <laughs> and he, and it's fun. It's interesting when you're being interviewed by someone and you sort of like try to pick up on what people's tricks are. And what Larry does is that he never. And I, he's amazing, and I love him, and I don't mean this in a negative way. I mean this mm. in a very positive way. He never lets you get your footing, mm. so he always maintains control of the conversation. And he, you, you answer, and then very quickly he just jumps to another question. And then the other question is a complete tonal mm. departure from the one question. So he'll be like, so how do you define being a nerd? Well, I think it's someone who hyper-focuses on a thing. I understand your father passed away last year. Yes, he did. And then yeah. um, and you're trying to keep up. I'm like, yeah, he didn't. I'm trying to write comedy about it now. And, uh, who's your favorite Star Wars character? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot right. of them out there. That's what fine. about net neutrality? And like, he, he just doesn't... And, and, and it's he maintains he control of it that way. And yeah. It keeps you... And also... Your defenses are down because yeah. you're just like I don't know where the question is next. Have or is he just old? Yeah. Is he just old? Yes. And just like, Jonah, what's no. your favorite Star Wars? Yeah. No, your no, dad no, no, died. No, 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 no. Oh. He's very uh... one of my absolute favorite. movies. Luke's dad died. Talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the movie. Uh, He'll the... live on forever as a blue ghost. <laughs> Sorry. You, what movie do you love? You guys have a different rhythm. <laughs> I'm not used to doing a podcast with three other people. I have to I have to sit for three beats. Three beats every Normally time. it's like let the guest have their riff. Nope. No, maybe contribute. Oh. It's riff, riff, riff. You've done a live show. That's true, but that's different. There's an audience. If I'm reading the comments well, correctly, people. if I'm reading the comments correctly, people love it when we interrupt the guest. Is that true? I uh, believe it is. 
<laughs> I get a lot of shit for that too. I actually, so Tim Armstrong from Rancid, I told him as a comforting tool to get him on the podcast because he's kind of a private guy. I was like, a typical episode, it's 60 40. I'll talk 60% of the time. And I was like, if you want to hear a straightforward interview, who did we just have on that people were like, uh, let him talk? Oh, everyone? I think it's every single guest. <laughs> I was like, go listen to them on a different show. This is this is this is the show about me and this person merging into one thing. But you know, that being said, well, I what I the what I the way I try to explain it to people is that they I I'm the way what I've said before is like, look, you're not in the room, and when you're watching someone's face and their and their uh, body language, you get a sense of like, oh, they're about to finish. Yeah. And I just don't want there to... That's exactly right. Because that's how a conversation works. That's exactly fucking right. Thank you. You you want to keep the ball in the air. You're seeing the whole thing. You're feeling the whole thing. And they're not. They're just hearing it. it. They're just listening to it. So, like, when when you think you're interrupting, really, we're we're trying to keep something spinning the whole time. It's just like, because it's a conversation, it's not... And in terror, it's it's, yeah. it's a conversation, and it's not an interview, which is which is another thing. Bill and I was like, "Where are the questions?" I, I was like, "I, don't, uh, I said." What he was is, speaking the philosophical I said, sense. What is matter? <laughs> <laughs> he told me it's molecules repelling each other. That was interesting. Oh, oh yeah. wow, which is true. Oh, because the molecules in my knuckles are being repelled by this table. Oh shit! Isn't that crazy? That is a that's fantastic. That was a good one. That was a good one. But I would I would tell anyone like when you go to lunch and you're having you know you're sitting at lunch if you if there are holes in the conversation a lot of times those were awkward gaps. It's you know. It's, I call it the Star Wars question. It's uh, what responsibility do we have as podcast hosts to the audience? It's, it's like, what does George Lucas have? It's his Star Wars. You know what I mean? He, he can do whatever he wants. Or did he create something that's now community-owned? Is it a co-op now? Uh, and I, I actually think it is a bit of a co-op. So I do try and shut my mouth sometimes, but I don't know. My favorite episodes are the ones where it's like back and forth, back and forth. Well, yeah, because again, I, I do. It's reminding people it's not an interrogation, it's not an interview, yeah. it's a conversation, and it's not on you. No, nope. I, I am your guest right now, and I'm enjoying the fact that if I run out of things to say, there's three talented, interesting people that will have something to say, and that's what it's about. Why does it smell like a freshly mown lawn? And what are you drinking? <laughs> and also, why is one in like a ginger. smaller? Well, these are two different. Are you juicing? Here. Let's not talk about juice. <laughs> Okay. We can if you But what want. about the juice? <laughs> <laughs> can I tell you what I was going to say about the master? Please. Uh, the thing I liked about the master, what you were thinking about Larry King, is there's something interesting. So my favorite thing to do is to talk to somebody one-on-one. And one of the things that's interesting that you experienced with Larry King, and this is why uh, I'm, I'm not even saying um, – Religious leaders. I was going to say cult. I'm just saying religious leaders, uh, big, huge personalities, people that know how to break down your defenses. You're into life hacks. You introduced me to life hacks. I enjoy the life hacks. But the idea that Larry King was life hacking a conversation, basically not allowing you to start to atrophy, not allowing you to ever be fully comfortable by asking you rapid fire questions. So if you look at uh, Scientology and what auditing is, as portrayed in the film The Master, which is, you know, I think inarguably the best scene in that movie where he's talking to Joaquin Phoenix and he says, say your name, say your name, say your name, say your name, getting them used to answering truthfully. You know what I mean? And also confirming that that's the identity that they're assuming, that that's your ego that you're, that you're naming. And then trying to get them off. So you say, where were you born? This, this, this. And I think the second question he says is, do you ever linger at bus stations for pleasure? Just absurd. But then where does it go? He says, do you, do you ever have sex with a family member? And he talks about having sex with his Aunt Bertha, which is a great name. And then, and then like, <laughs> it goes from there. To him absolutely melting down. That's fun to me. That's what that that has a little bit of what I do on the podcast. And I, I like crowds because that's one thing. 
That's why hecklers are so offensive because they're breaking something that should be an audience into an individual and an audience and a performer. It should all be one thing, which we call a show. But then when I'm sitting across from somebody, it reminds me of being at camp. And I went to like really, really boring Quaker summer camp. We had a swimming hole and we had cabins and that was it. So what did we do? We made up card games and we tried to like hypnotize each other. We didn't really do it. We were just like <laughs> count from 100 down. But all this like really interesting one-on-one interpersonal uh, sort of things. Was that supposed to be the real camp? That they didn't advertise like, oh, it's activities, but it's really about making people bond? Or was that just... I think, no, they were a little bit hippie about it. They were like, there isn't much to do. You're going to like have to entertain yourselves and that sort of stuff. But that's where... Enjoy these pamphlets on hypnosis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I forget who started the hypnotizing, but we, we tried that real, real it's hard. the counselors, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a tituba sort of situation. <laughs> it's weird. I woke up in the forest without pants on. I don't know. I guess I'm hypnotizable. That's crazy. Lunchtime. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not the only one. This is actually kind of an overstated point at this point. But like, I, I do worry about what we're doing without boredom. Because it was at camp when I learned how to uh, public speak. I did my first like comedy shows. I did improv for the first time at camp. I learned how to play guitar at camp. I learned how to do magic at camp, which is very similar to comedy in my opinion. Well, I think those. I think that I I understand the point that you're making, and I agree with it to the extent that. I think up to a certain age, it's good to have boredom to use your imagination. But then at a certain point, you got to start applying those skill sets. Like if you were still bored now, you maybe wouldn't be as focused to stick it with a podcast or stand up or television or anything. So yeah, I think it's I think at a certain or point, does he do that because he's bored? Oh, well, maybe we are all constantly distracting ourselves at yeah. all times. I mean, I do I do everything I do to stop boredom. Stop boredom, and also I, I'm happy to say that I remember when I started doing stand up, I, I opened for Gaffigan. And I was like, do you like doing stand-up? And I remember he said, it's addicting. And at that point, I had been doing it maybe three years. And I remember thinking, like, I do not find this addicting at all. I find it terrifying. In fact, that show uh, was a New Year's Eve show at the Cleveland Improv. I wasn't able to, like, get a meal down, really, or sleep well for a week leading up to it. That's how terrified I was of doing that show. He was a hero of mine. He still is a favorite comic of mine. And it was very, very tense to be hosting a New Year's Eve show with this guy and, and five other shows. But then uh, getting to the point, I remember thinking, I was like, I want to get to the point. You know, like if you exercise every day, for, they say for 90 days, you become physically addicted to it. Yeah. I've heard that. I was like, I want to get to the point where I need it, where it is a compulsion. I always used to hear about... That's, that's how the movie Comedian opens. He goes, it's a compulsion. They need to do it. I was like, I want to need to do stand-up. And I'm happy to say that in my progress as an artist, I'm like, if I don't do the thing, shit starts going bad. I'm talking about like crazy anxiety, a little bit of like mm -hmm. uh, depression. I'm not talking about anything like, uh, I, I don't, I'm not being defensive here. I'm just saying like what I would consider normal amounts of discomfort. Well, why are you think, being so defensive? Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to distance myself from those words. I'm owning those words. But I'm also saying I don't think it's abnormal levels of feeling like blue. I, I don't envy people that haven't yet, and I believe that they can find their outlet. It's like I do stand-up. Stand-up is the thing that allows me to feel connected and at peace. That's like living Xanax. That's like living meditation. That's all that sort of stuff. How much therapy have you had? Lots. Is it, is it, do you feel – because I've had – a fair. I mean, I've had a, a lot sure. in the last ten years. Well, uh, I, I go once a week. I haven't been in, in a while, but yeah, I've, I've been going once a week since I was twenty-seven. And do you do you like? Do you, obviously, you like. I it. love it. Yeah. Doctor Gary Penn, whose book is available now. All right. Yeah. 
And he has a podcast, actually. I think he just started a podcast. Dr. Gary Penn. <laughs> Two ends. He never asked. It would be so inappropriate if he asked me to plug him, but I love him. I, I swear by Today him. Today on the podcast, I have one patient. Let's just call him P.H. <laughs> <laughs> Does he talk about, do you think he talks about? Uh, no, I know some of the fans of my podcast uh, see him now. and they. And that's they, weird. Yeah, that's weird. I don't care. I mean, people who listen to my show—it's not—it's not a show. It, it's like a true—it's a—it's—it's it's a parasocial relationship. Meaning, I don't always interact with the fans. I try to write them back or Facebook them back or whatever. But for the most part, it's one-sided. That doesn't mean it's not genuine. So these people that are hearing somebody that's had issues with codependence, that had issues with uh, growing up super religious, sex shame, uh, feelings of like not knowing what to do when you're single, all that sort of stuff. Uh, basically, again, codependence. Sure. Uh, they know Dr. DGP knows how to tell you, like, fucking take it easy. So is codependence an issue? It was. I mean, you know what it is, really? It's just honesty. It's dealing with things in real time. How do you feel? No one knows. That's why w- women and men typically find that very attractive. First of all, decisiveness is linked to testosterone. But people that know what they want is very, very attractive. Every time I've ever gotten laid, I hate saying that, but any time I've like, met somebody at a party and ended up having sex with them, it's because I knew I wanted to have sex with them. I'm not saying, like, that's obviously they had to want to have sex with me as well and we had chemistry and all that sort of stuff. But if all the nights that people are like, and I don't know, and then I just kind of kissed her on the ear and, like, <laughs> walked back to my car. You know what I mean? Like, that's because you didn't make up your mind. So it's not just codependence. It's knowing what you want and speaking your truth in real time. That's that's what I've learned from therapy. And codependence is a lot of like, what does this person want? What do I think they want? It's like playing poker. You're like, what do I have? What do I think they have? And what do I think they think I have sort of shit? Well, what do you have? I'd like to be alone tonight. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. like, or or I think we should see other people. I, I honestly think I really would like to put out a CD, which is just me coaching you through a breakup. Because they're all, if they're my kind of breakup, where it's just like, you don't have to hate somebody to break up with them. You don't need a list of reasons to break up with somebody. If you're on, we've had this conversation. Yes, we have, for three if, hours. For three hours. <laughs> if you're on, listen to the Matt Myra podcast on, my, on, on uh, You Made It Weird, if you want to listen to that. Because that's a passion of mine. I call it advice from a coward. I'm somebody that had such a hard time doing that for most of my life. I'm still not great at it. But now at least, you know, I'm 35. If I I think it's going south with somebody. I want to be able to be like, look, you're great. I'm not going to draw this out for another six months, or in Matt's case, another three years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know. Right? Yeah. It's... I'm a big believer and sometimes it's cruel to be kind. But anyway, yes, codependence can can be a problem for me. How much of you... uh, How much of your podcast has helped you get laid? all, 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 (laughs) all, All of it? I mean, are you... Are you... Is it... Uh, oh, it's everything. Yeah. That's a, great, that's a great question. And I never pass up an opportunity to thank you for including me in the network. I love it. It's changed oh, no, my life. I, I, I'm thrilled that you wanted I didn't, to, I... <laughs> to, to do it because, I, you know, like after our podcast started working, I sort of became like, uh, everyone I know should do one of these things. They're great. You know, I talked to Kumail. I yeah. talked to you. I'm like, yeah. everyone should do yeah. this yeah. podcast. And then, you know, it like almost to an annoying degree. And, and part of me was like, you know, some, someone said, uh, aren't you creating you're like you're just creating more competition I'm like no 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 there's tons of people in the world a lot yeah. of different points of view there's room for everyone to have right. a everyone have a podcast yeah, it's yeah, fine yeah. my podcast is my therapy and my guest therapy 
Matt yeah. is an, an excellent example. I mean, you both, all three of you are obviously great, but that was like working out issues and talking, hearing the inner monologue and getting that truth. I'm a big believer in just opening the windows and letting air in. And I said that as somebody who spent a lot of my life just like keeping anything other than positive emotions. And you have that great bit. I love this bit of yours, Chris. I'm pointing at Chris. About <laughs> uh, jerking off to people having sex uh, in the hotel. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. I think that is that is so essential, uh, that sort of honesty. And that's what my podcast is all about, is, is going like, yeah, I'm not proud of it, but I'm also not not proud of it. Well, that's just human, you know? Like, but it's just human. fucking A. That's not, that's not as common as you think it is. I think you and I are privileged to hang out with a lot of interesting people, comedians who spend a lot of time... Rash, jerking off in hotel rooms. Jerking off in hotel rooms listening. What do you call it? The most something-something three-way? Oh, uh, Unexpected? What do I say? Um, oh, my God. I can't remember my own bit because I, I, I retired ago. it. It was it's a uh, three-way that they don't know they're a part of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. After seven or eight minutes, uh, we're all in a three-way they're not aware yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's so funny is, is that, like, I remember saying to my therapist, I was like, I feel so, so guilty. But if I, I used to live in this apartment building and I'd be walking down the hall and there was this couple that was just always fucking. And if I heard them fucking, I would immediately get, because of sex shame yeah. and sort of like, ooh, sex is bad. I still say to this day that like religious people like myself have the best fucking in the world because of latent guilt in there. Like there's something <laughs> that gives it a little bit more charge. So anyway, I would hear, obviously you're hearing the woman. Typically that's what you're hearing. And that would be erotic. And I would feel so bad that I, w- I would call it like a, a jacuzzi jet on the inside. Like oh, this chemical <laughs> reaction of like guilt and like, oh my God, I'm seeing a dead body. You know what I mean? Like something bad, but good, but bad, but good. I'm mm-hmm. so bad. Like a speedball, basically. Isn't that heroin and coke? I don't know. Like an upper and a downer at the same time? Speedball, I think that's I don't no, I could tell you what an Irish car bomb is. Yeah, me too. I've I, I had a few of those. Yeah, those it was just basically like Guinness with a shot of Irish whiskey. No, 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 no. The drink, and the, drink, the, the, drink, the, drink the drink, the drink, the drink, the drink. He made it real. So I said that to my therapist, DGP, and I'll never forget it. I was like, I feel bad that that turns me on. And he goes, it's very erotic. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what a good therapist is. It's it, like sometimes my friends make fun of me because my therapist does green light most things in my life. But like a lot of therapy, not just DGP, but other guys I've seen have been like, you're okay. It's okay. And when you do that bit, you're telling a lot of people that if, if not okay, at least it's not bad. Well, but I think <laughs> that's what, well, first of all, I think it would be unfortunate if every time you heard people having sex, you just heard him going, it's very erotic. <laughs> well, now I can't. Now I feel weird because I have that. He just appears like in a movie. He just appears as a little floating. <laughs> like trans- a blue ghost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another it's blue ghost. very erotic. <laughs> uh, that is the back of a t-shirt. <laughs> the it's show very erotic. <laughs> Let it happen. No, but I, I don't, you know, I've been, I've been working, I've been working very hard to be, more honest on stage because I am a pretty private person, but I, I also the big challenge lately has been how do I make comedy out of my father's death, and, but to, and and it's just trying to find that balance between what's okay to talk about for the audience yeah. that they don't because there's a line and it's a very thin line where where they're like ha 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 and then yeah. I don't think you're supposed to be able to say that. Well, you're talking to old Captain Honesty over here who who's never talked about his divorce on stage. You know what I mean? There's some things 
that belong on podcasts. I'm not saying you can't, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're yeah, I, I totally, I hear what you're saying. I, I just, I know that feeling that you're trying to avoid and maybe it scares me or something. But when you start talking about it, like, I, I feel like people like hearing about triumph over things. People aren't good with pain. You know what I mean? Sure. Even people that claim to be good at pain, churches and that sort of stuff. You know, I, I've experienced that. I'm not bitter about that. I'm honestly not. But, like, a lot of people just aren't, aren't good with that. Even you mentioning your father passing, immediately I'm like, what do I say? What yeah. if I make a joke about... Well, because I, I've, been, I've been able to write jokes about the... the I, it's, it's all of the stuff around the death, like how expensive the funeral was, what that process was. But the, the craziest part about it which I still freaks people out is talk, trying to trying to write jokes about the open casket wake yeah which was very strange and all these people were there and some of them I knew when I was a kid and other people like they were just customers of his and it just was so odd yeah and I talked about it with Saget when he was on the podcast I was like but how do you but it's, it's some things you start talking about and maybe I just don't have the skill level yet but some things it's people hard. just immediately are like Ugh, I'm supposed to, and I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. Right. So um, talking about your own death would be easier than talking about your father's death because th- those are hot topic words. You talk about your father. You mean own- phrases on t-shirts you see in hot topic? <laughs> yeah. Like blow it out your butt. Or, <laughs> it's very erotic. <laughs> I when you say my father open casket, I'm picturing my father in an open casket. Sure. And so is everybody. You know what I mean? People don't like Yeah, I'm picturing that- Pete's dad. It's weird. That's yeah, weird. it's very <laughs> erotic. <laughs> Why did he have to <laughs> <laughs> my family's morbid, though. They talk about their own death all the time. Every time I go home, my parents are like, Peter, if I go, tell him I did it my way. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you traveled each and every highway? <laughs> so, so. But I, I mean, I, I know what you're talking about. Where is the limit for what people want to hear and what you need to say? Because you, t- you, you, you. You must have a ton of material that just sprouts on the podcast. Do you, or does it not? Or yeah. is it separate? You know what's actually happening is this is going to sound so pretentious, but I don't mind. There's a little bit of a singularity happening in my in myself. There's what I write for the TV show. There's what I say on the podcast. There's what I you know sometimes jot down ideas for like a book or just like free writing or something. And then there's uh, whatever I left out stand up, and it's all just becoming one thing. What the great thing that talking this much and relating with people this much is it's begun to solidify uh, into one big big cookie. There used to be a tray of a bunch of different cookies. Here's, here's Church Pete. Here's who I am on stage. Here's who I am in front of my parents. Here's who I am on a first date. Here's who I am five years into a relationship. And I'm happy to say that through a lot of work, uh, uh, meditation and uh, uh, sorry, therapy and doing the podcast, it's merging it all into one Thing. And I think that is really the most attractive thing. Well, that's that I think that's that, that's sort of I don't think that has to be every performer's goal, but I think it's a nice goal to sort of close the gap between yeah. who you are and who you are as a performer. It's, it's a, yes, and and I feel like we have a gift in the sense that it, I mean, like I don't mean like a special ability. I mean, but we are given this gift of when you choose to be a comic, you really are forced to try to get to know yourself better than I think most professions would and that's what it have is. you get. Because you really, you, you're constantly saying, how do I feel about this thing? What do I think about this? Well, if I feel this way, what, how does that inform who I am? And, oh, I must like, I'm, I guess I'm like this. And then how would you say that to strangers? How would you quickly articulate how you are 
listening to people having sex in a hotel room to strangers in a funny way. But th- but that is the well, who is it? Is in a throw that said like an uninvestigated life isn't worth living. I think or, it was Steve Gutenberg. Woo. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to get a sliding scale of your reactions. Like okay, he liked that one. <laughs> Or he didn't like that one, so there's like the no, ha good. ha ha. No, that's ooh, good. Oh, no, the the pew laugh is a, is a coveted laugh <laughs> on, on my podcast. That's a, that's a good one. But I'm just saying, you know, I got in not in trouble, but I, something I learned was I used to classify people as comedians and civilians, and that that was a that was a blind spot for me. And now I honestly see it as everybody's uh, job, every human being's job, is to return this gift, the gift of life, back. To uh, not not necessarily to God, but back to death, just to the end. Like the way to respect your life is to explore every corner of it. That's why you the the thing that turns me off the most is ugh, God. When did I become this person? Because I was going to say close-minded. I just want to see some pliability to it. I want to see some like, exploration to it. I want people that what turns you on things. the most. Uh, <laughs> I like uh, curvy girls. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, funny because I'm not, you know, you, you talk about being open to things. And, and, and I, I recently sort of figured out, like, what I think emotionally ages people, which is going, I'm not going to try any new things. And I'm terrible about it. Because I agree. My, you know, because Chloe is constantly like, let's do this. Let's be adventurous. Let's try this. Let's do this. And I'm like, ah, I don't have the energy. I don't want to. What are some of those things? What? Uh, what are some of those things? Anal. It's very erotic. <laughs> I'll tell you one of them. Sure. She she wants to have sex in public somewhere. And I'm like, I don't, I can't. Here's what you do. Fuck her in public? No. Okay. Yes, but here's how you get there. Uh, build a set in her apartment that looks like we're out in public. <laughs> Hire a couple of extras to walk by. <laughs> very <laughs> erotic. It's very funny. Just set up a party like Kevin McAllister did in Home Alone and just do it, do it there. <laughs> one put of the put prob- Michael Jordan on the train. <laughs> one of the problems that I have uh, with being in a relationship is that you start having regular sex. And I think that's very bad for eroticism. Uh, it's not necessarily the same. Women tend to have sex, in my experience. It doesn't extinguish anything. Whereas men are losing, women are actually gaining. I'm not talking about cum. I'm saying they're gaining. It's very... From the experience. So women are different. Would, would you like to gain my cum? So if you... <laughs> it's not very rough. But here's the thing. So Chloe's in, in this relationship with you. She's, she's well-sexed, as are you. So I'll, I'll put it on me. I don't want to put it on you. When I'm well-sexed, when I'm living with somebody or I'm seeing somebody all the time you're suddenly fucking all the time which means that energy I'm not trying to be new agey here I'm just saying that energy literally the cum testosterone cocktail in your nuts all the time is getting blown out once, twice a day, every other day, depends on how much you're doing it. So suddenly, things like fucking outside make less sense. What I was going to say was, if you want to do that and if you want to explore that, take a week apart and don't jerk it. Don't look at porn. You will fuck Chloe in the airport on the way back. (laughs) Through TSA. That's right. You will want oh, her. So I better, I better get loaded of these liquids before I get through <laughs> ah, security. You wouldn't though, Chris, because you're pre-check and she's not. Uh, <laughs> no, no, she is. Oh, great. great. Yeah, 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 How pre-check. hard is that to do? And that's changing the subject. But anyway, I, I think, I think uh, for me, it's always been a tricky thing, even if I've dated somebody that I'm very ara- uh, uh, attracted to sexually. You do. There's a hedonic treadmill. You get used to it. Those are the same boobs, and that's the same ass, and that's the same vagina. That's the same noise she makes when she comes, and we usually do it this way, this way, and then we finish this way, right? So you need to like. It's almost like super healthy to build in 
uh, you know, some some space and some time when you're not fucking. And then all of a sudden, I think you will fuck on a balcony. Do it on a balcony. <laughs> well, we, we started doing In this. In Miami. We started doing yeah, this. It's against a lot of not fucking Miami outside. <laughs> we started doing this thing where... Um, uh, a couple days a week, I stay at my house and she stays at her, sp- and her, right. at her place, which is nice because it gives her space to focus on her stuff and me space. Absolutely. And, and and it was her idea, and it was a it was a good idea. Like it, it's been this is this is the a beginning big... of the end. I ha. see it coming. Oh boy, this is a big passion for me. Is is relationships should give you more? Matt not, was kidding, honey. Not not less. <laughs> oh God, you're still thinking about it. I understand. I do that on my show too. I'm like, not that I would. Uh, but it, I, I, I'm, that's one of the reasons why uh, non-traditional relationships come up a lot on the podcast. I, I've never done that. You know what I mean? I'm not like a swinger, but I am very interested in the idea that like you, get, uh, Joni, you're married. I know. And Matt, are you seeing somebody? Yeah. So you're, so everybody here is in. See, we're just going to go ahead and assume, call this the in-flight menu. You're in a relationship, so yes. you ordered the uh, monogam- monogamist relationship. That yes. is what we in this society in this time it's consider kosher. a relationship. Yeah, it's not even kosher. Maybe if you were no, fucking her and her best friend, you would be ordering the vegetarian dish <laughs> or something. But then there are some people that order off the in-flight menu. No one handed it to you. No one offered it to you. These are people that I... Th- uh, you know, like polygamists or, or not polygamists, but you know, polyamorous that sort of stuff. Well, when Mike, 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 Mike Kaplan was just in the podcast, and it came up in the last ten minutes, we had been talking about comedy, and then he was like, "Yeah, yeah." And then, uh, you know, as I uh, plural relate, we're like, "What?" Yeah, he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Of course he is. And I know, and it was like, "Oh fuck, why didn't we hit this sooner?" Because we talked about it for the whole hour. It's funny. I don't think there's a spokesperson for polyamory that I've seen yet that doesn't give me the fucking creeps. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to think of Mike, Mike Kaplan, fucking one person, let alone two. I really don't. It's so Mike. Well, I'm not. Poly- I'm not even gonna say I love you. It's true. I don't know. Let me I just, let me just like say it. it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, maybe it, it was more about being in an open relationship. I understand. Yeah. So not See, not at the same. Time, but like just dating them. One of the things that I find compelling about that, you know what I mean? Talk about doing something new. Like, if I were to just to pitch this to you, you and Chloe are together and you obviously love each other. Why is it such a cliche? It's a New Yorker cartoon setup. My best friend, my wife, and then some third line. Yeah. <laughs> Your best friend and your wife are two people that you love. They pro- you love them. They probably have a lot in common. Why wouldn't they fuck? You're- this is somebody that's been cheated on, by the way. So you have to keep that in mind. I'm I've been there with that exact scenario. A small I Italian man. I know. I remember a small Italian man and Matt Myro also had something similar happen. Yeah. So I understand that. But like, I don't understand if we are going to play devil's advocate for this sort of thing. When did it become weird that more love is occurring? You know what I mean? When did love? When did you start cock blocking your girlfriend? What if Chloe went out, you know what I mean? This is a traditional thing. She goes out on the town. She goes out dancing. She starts dancing with some people that she knows, and she ends up making out with them. That's something that she now has to confess to you. That's like a a breach of this thing that you never necessarily laid out and were like, don't do that. It's just assumed. You're my girlfriend. We're dating. We're going to be exclusive. Don't do that. But what's weird is I think it goes back to self-love. If you, Chris, went out dancing, and the hottest, I know you love Chloe and she's gorgeous, but someone else, a different kind of girl, comes up. She's Bjork. Also Chris. gorgeous. Bjork is there. <laughs> oh, you love Bjork? Well, I, I, I did. <laughs> yeah, but then she got into her 40s. Gross! No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, I got over my Bjork crush. Well, let's say young Bjork. It wasn't, it's not even young or old. This was just <laughs> a period of time Bjork, where I liked Bjork. Bjork exits a swan. Ah. Uh, yeah. What I'm saying is another type of woman. This is, this is something that I think is interesting. You see another type of woman, 
and you have a magical night. It's not just slutting it up. Nothing wrong with being slutty, but it's not just slutting it up. You just, you end up making out with her a little bit, okay? You would understand you doing that. You know what I mean? Oh, you mean in my mind I would go, well, it's not anything. I mean, I would, ne- I would, ne- I couldn't do that. I would never do that. I would, ne- you know, I, I would feel. I don't know. I, I, the, first of all, I, a repressive guilt that will not go away. Well, yeah, not only that, but then I also feel like I wouldn't want her to do that to me. I wouldn't do that, and I just don't. I don't know. It just it feels. Again, I completely understand what you're representing is the cultural norm. I'm just saying, what what I think the things that we get so worked up about, my friend, my best friend, my best friend's wife, you know that sort of thing, is because we hate ourselves, right? So like, if you feel like you are tempted to fuck somebody else. Jonah, you're married. You want to fuck somebody else. You hate that part of yourself. You don't accept that part of yourself. So if Deanna cheated on you, not only would you be mad at her, you'd also be taking out all the self-hate you have for your own impulses that you know you occasionally Yeah, but also have. I think, I think it, for me, it's just like, oh, you violated the trust that we had together, and I, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's a real problem. No, I completely believe it. I, I've had that done to me, and it really hurt me. But I, I, do, I do think it's interesting. The idea, the thing that's compelling to me about that is the idea that you would be with somebody, and they, that, that would be your primary partner, and then if you and Chloe had a best friend that you both liked... And every the, the gateway into all of these things is it's two girls and a guy. Is <laughs> you go like, and if Chloe was like, I really think we should uh, get with Sarah, and you love Sarah. It's not just like you know, somebody you just met. It's somebody that you actually have affection for. Would you be open to that? Um, no comment. Because of course I go you by fucking Sarah would. sometimes, Chris. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. No comment because it's happened. No comment. It's fine. Weird. Okay. No, nothing. Nothing. He's not commenting. He's I'm not, I'm so not tr- red. It's ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not but here, commenting. This is the thing. This isn't Chris. This isn't about Chris Hardwick. <laughs> but can't we make it about Chris Hardwick? <laughs> this is not. You made it weird right now. This is the Nerdist podcast. We can nope. make it about Chris Hardwick. I'm using my own host instincts to take it off you. What Pete, I'm calm saying down. is, Chris. <laughs> what? I I seem to remember that being a floated, I'm like doing. the idea of that being floated. But did you go through with it, or I don't? I don't. Interesting. I don't know <laughs> how to answer that. What you're talking I about? I seem to remember, and I don't remember. I don't think that was floated on a podcast. Maybe just in, in life. But uh, <laughs> no. interesting. Interesting. No, I don't. I Back mean, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. Next host, Bill. I mean, Pete's the guest. Tune you know. in for Katie. The next play our theme song. <laughs> I'll do it for you. If if my uh, I'm seeing somebody, and if she and we had a, another female friend that we were crazy about, just like thought was great. Absolutely. Why wouldn't I? That's just more. Love. I know I sound like a fucking hippie right now, but it's just it's just honesty. Like if if I I don't know why there's a weird double standard. As long as it's two girls, you know what I mean. Like it's fine. If I pitched that same scenario to you and she was like, I really think me, you, and fucking Matt Myra should you know do the Devils three. So much fun. <laughs> it's very. It's not gonna happen. It, it, it is a very selfish. It is it is a very selfish. Um, I I understand what you're saying. It's yeah. very selfish, and I think it's. I think it's really usually guys who have the problem. They're like, oh, I could hook up with two girls. Yeah. Oh, but those, you can't. And I think that's just because we tend to be more insecure. Well, men are very, very threatened. We're very threatened. That, we're very insecure. We're very, it's like... It's a cliche, that's why there's war, is because every guy is kind of sizing up every other guy. You know what I mean? I, I've made this reference before. Like, I'm very comfortable with guys like you. Why? 
I feel like we're all in similar boats. We've clammed together because none of us are going around just like farting and being like, deal with it, babe. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then, like, <laughs> and then having an eight way. You hey, know you know what would be great is to have a keg shaped like tits. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, uh, whoa, 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 don't. Well, that's hang a on. good idea. But you already said Miami. Like Miami, uh, I love going to Miami because sure. the comedy is built in. I'm just, I'm not a linen shirt hitting yeah. on someone by the pool kind of guy. Those people find each other. We find each other. It's all these little clans. It's these microclimates of men going like, this isn't an insult. I don't threaten Jonah, and Jonah doesn't threaten me. So I'm comfortable with that. But then, like, when you see, you know, big muscly guys or whatever, like, this is the sort of unpacking that whatever it is you want to look at, if it's sexuality, if it's relationships, if it's religion, if it's what we're eating, I think it's our, our job to explore the corners, not just go, this is on the menu. I'll have wife and kids, I'll have the steak, and I'll have Jesus with a side of second coming. Now, I don't, <laughs> I don't, uh, there's so, boy, man. Third coming. Now, 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 now I understand. Now I understand why the podcasts tend to go more than an hour because there's like two <laughs> other major things that I want to talk to you about. Which is number one, um, how's your show going and how are you feeling about it and what's the process? Because yeah, I started, we... I started at the exact same time. I know. And uh, and what was your process like and how's it been? It's been going great. It's been fan- we've done eighty episodes. We're done taping. Jesus. I know. Isn't that crazy? Well, you've done almost a hundred. Yeah, a billion. Fuck. Yeah, you've done a billion. It's nuts. But uh, we're emerging from my my lofty thoughts on polyamory into uh, – I wanted to say on this show, I haven't talked about it yet, we didn't get picked up. You didn't? Yeah, we didn't get picked up. You're done? Haven't talked about it. Oh, oh no. Secret Santa. I'm s- oh, Santa no. Santa shit in my stock. Chris, we fucking did it. We got him. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. He's right here. <laughs> All right, we did it. Turn this off. Turn these off. Shut, shut this down. <laughs> Best response imaginable. That is fantastic. Uh, just, just to uh, clear the air a little bit, I've known for a little bit. And I'm completely cool with it. And I'm happy to talk does about Chris it. Does Chris Thayer know? Chris Thayer does know. Oh, okay. Chris Thayer, uh, secret sweetheart, Chris Thayer. Because I thought, I, you know, I, I always thought that the um, that it, what you were doing was a very difficult order, which was how, in a marketplace full of late night talk shows, how do you break through the noise? Like, yeah. how do you do that when, when you know that... You know that the network is probably like, we want the show to be different. And then at the end of the day, they're like, so you're probably going to do the monologue up front. You're going to do this. And you're like, right. oh, I really. And do, did you fight at all to? No. In in fact, I know Turner is the one that didn't pick us up. All right, but I have. I'm not just saying this diplomatically. I we never got any notes. Turner uh, TBS was a great place to work. I was just on the phone today with Michael Wright, uh, the head of it, and and talking to him about just what, how grateful I am. This is a little bit new agey. That's what I feel. When I push in the, great, the gratitude, I have 40 hours, 100 sketches, uh, 80 monologues, 80 guests, you know what I mean? Music if you had guests. done like 40 sketches, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I understand what you mean because when... We got to do that. When, they paid for it. When we were... We know, when <laughs> Suckers! When At Midnight was sort of in the place where it's like, wow, I wonder if we're going to get picked up or not. And I thought, you know, if they don't pick it up... We still made a thing that I'm very proud of. Right. You know? That's exactly right. We, we now have, and this is something that people at TBS have told us. They're like, you now have a calling card to kind of do whatever you want. It's like we're past the like, oh, the network fucked me. No, they didn't. 
They gave us this body of work that won't go away because of the internet, because of everything. You can see every episode online. You can see every sketch online. To be honest, a lot of that stuff did way better online than it ever did on the show. We pulled like, I don't know, 300, 350,000 views. But then our videos, some of them have like 12, 12 and a half million views. So like we were just, we had an opportunity for me to basically live in a magical chocolate factory where it wasn't in an egotistic way, but I just got to like see my sense of humor created by wonderful writers and producers and actors. And then audiences came in and I went out and they cheered and I do a monologue for the first time, a very, very hard drug. I mean like addictive, meaning stand up started to seem, uh, I don't know, uh, distant. In the, in the idea that I was like, I get to do new material on TV. What, what a rush. You know what I mean? It's almost like bungee jumping. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've since the show's been off and I knew it wasn't coming back. I've been doing stand-up every night. And I'm like, oh, my God, baby, I'll never leave you. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's, it's not just makeup sex with stand-up. It's like remembering there's something about performing for audiences that aren't warmed up, that aren't jacked up, that you're there, that you're just dropping. And I did Meltdown last night. One of the, some of the most fun I've I've had in show business was going back and realizing I can abandon this bit in the middle. I I mean we said mouse fisting on the show. It wasn't like we got censored a lot, but like I did have to bring it home. I did have to wrap it up. When you do stand up, you can just end it. Yeah, I close on a riff all the time. Never get back to the bit. It's a fun feeling. So, not just being a good sport. TBS was amazing. We never really got any notes. Uh, we got to do what we wanted to do. We did We did something that I personally am very, very, very proud of. This might be a spin doctory thing, but we, we stopped doing it there. We never did an episode that I, that I felt like was weak. Every episode I, I stand completely behind. 80 episodes was a lot to do. And uh, I'm happy. I'm, that's all I got. I'm, gra- well, I'm grateful. That's, and, and that's the best, you know, as long as, no matter what happens, because the business is very tumultuous. And it works for a while, and sometimes it doesn't work. And the only way that you survive is by having that attitude. I mean, I think it's okay to be upset about things if if it go. You're like, oh, I'm really upset, but it's also that that's just healthy. But also, right. like, how do you how do you feel better about that and take a lesson from it and move on? And and what can you do with this? That? Is, this is what makes life a story. You know what I mean? Getting getting a thing, getting a precious thing. And then just holding on to that thing until I die isn't a very good story. Getting that's every I think most people know a good story or a good baseball game is you're up and then you're down and then you're up and it really looks like you're gonna win this time and then you're down and it really, really is looks like you're gonna lose but, and then you win. But I think the I think the the incorrect way to think you know is for for some people is you can do a show for a while and then it ends and then it's like, huh. Back to the drawing board. And it's like, but it's not back to the drawing board because nope. you have that much more experience, you have that much more knowledge, you have that much more exposure, yep. and you have that much more, you know, ultimately appreciation for what you were doing. And and that's you're infinitely better off than you were a year ago. All you've been, all I've been given. I've heard stories of people getting canceled and stuff, and and calling up the network or setting up a meeting and giving them a piece of their mind. And I'm just like, I, I don't understand. They gave us this opportunity. They stood by us. We never felt like the axe was over our heads. Never, not once. The the fact is, it's a business. This is a television business. They could have been like, let's keep losing money with the Pete Holmes show as an investment. That is one choice you could make. I don't necessarily... 
I mean, I should say, I do understand seeing that as not a good business move. I, I was joking with the staff. I was like, you could put a black and white, no audio episode, a rerun of Big Bang Theory on in that time slot and do better. And that's, and that's a, it's a, you know, I'm not saying this like, that's what it's about, man, money and that. But it is a little bit what it's about. They got to keep the lights on. Believe sure. me, we're aware they have a lot of South Park in the can over at <laughs> <laughs> But it's true. Yeah. I mean, if there is something over your shoulder, and that's not what I'm here to say at all, you have to do better than what a rerun would be. Yeah. It's like a relationship. You have to be better than being single would be. So uh, I completely understand Again, I, I, I don't mean to keep saying this, but I have nothing but gratitude. It was amazing. The amount that we learned and then what we learned we were capable of. We did 19 episodes in 10 days once. Jesus. We just banged it out. Stuff that was like uh, the greatest compliment I think I've ever gotten was from Oren, my, my best friend, one of my best friends, and he was the EP. We, we wrote pretty much everything together for that show. He was like, you're like the miracle of Hanukkah. Like, you're, there's just always more gas in the lamp. And I was like, thank you. Like, like the fact that we could do uh, four episodes in one day and that fourth episode still find a way to be like, hello. And so much of my stand-up and my, <laughs> my sensibility is having fun and, and finding it in there. I had no idea we were capable of that. And I had no idea they were capable of writing so much and doing it all. So I feel, I feel like, I kind of feel <laughs> I'm not a sociopath. When we got the news, I'm happy to report I felt every discernible emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like go to the bottle or anything. We were actually Oren was at my house. We found out, and I was making like a a big fuck off salad, and we just cooked it and listened to uh, well chopped it up and listened to funk music. You know what I mean? It was like the weirdest numb response where you don't know what to do. You really do feel that sort of like. Well, because sort of it's thing. it's your brain. It's your. I think that's your brain, kind of shutting down a little bit to figure out how to reprocess this new structure that it has to that's right. understand. You see all the fantasies, and so much of what we do, and especially when you're thinking abstractly about your career or just your life, where you want it to go, what you'd like to see. You start building these mosaics. You know what I mean? Like if your if your mental picture of your life is a church, you're putting up these intricate drawings and. Mosaics, little tiles of where you think it's going to go. So I had all these thoughts for what we were going to do next. I had all these thoughts about uh, what kind of guests we were going to have, what kind of sketches we were going to do, what was next, and all this sort of stuff. And the second you hear that you're not coming back, you you feel like you need to repurpose all those tiles. You don't throw them away, but you need to put them somewhere else. Well, I feel like a lot of disappointment comes from... Essentially, that you know, there's like there's a conservation of emotional energy. I think that it doesn't just get destroyed; it just sort of tr- transmutes, That's right. I guess. And so, I feel like a lot of disappointment is excitement without an outlet. It's like, oh, well, yeah. that's all got to go back down. Where somewhere. do you put it? Yeah, and, and then that, and it's sort of like, oh, I know. Well, that's that was the feeling of having a show that we did every day. Was it? it I, I kind of likened it to being a cow. I think to a certain extent cows like getting milked. That is if you know if they're <laughs> complaining and they need to get milked. And I felt like I was getting milked every day. <laughs> I know that's so fucking weird to say it. It's very... Uh, but the idea that I had this place. We're all looking for a place. Where is the thing? There's some sort of energy inside of me that uh, just creative energy that starts to itch if I don't get it out. It starts to feel unpleasant. It starts to translate in an inability to sleep or, or a hard time focusing at a meal with friends. There's other ways to solve this. You can jerk off. You can drink. We've all had our times with that sort of stuff. Some people smoke pot. 
But for me, the best thing was having a home, something that wanted, that's why the milk thing is good, that wanted that energy. And I could go in and deposit it and then go home. And when I went home, one of the reasons I stopped doing stand-up for the last couple months of doing production was I really enjoyed going home. I'd have one glass of wine. I'd watch an episode of Cheers. And I was in bed like 9.30. You liked the structure. I was satisfied. I was happy with so that. What, uh, so what do you think allowed you to accept this in the best possible way do you think was it a sort of mixture of therapy and wisdom and experience was did did your religion play into it in a in a sense or spirituality i i do believe uh in the in the power of faith not not necessarily in the way that i used to but i do believe there's something about having your faith tested and and staying steadfast and being like no i i believe in myself i believe in in my friends and my family and these opportunities and i believe in my art and I believe in my comedy and all that sort of stuff. So I did make a conscious choice to maintain faith. I know that sounds crazy or, or, or a little cheesy, but not to lose hope. I really think the thing that made me take it well was because we're motherfucking cowboys. We're stand-ups. You understand? You can't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> if you do, I'm going to write about it. I, exactly. I, I did Rockford, Illinois for, uh, for an audience that was all semi-tractor trailers. And I went up and got zero. That's pain. <laughs> Having your dream job go away is painful. But I literally felt like I was like, I'm a cowboy. Roll up your sleeping bag. It's, you're not mad. This is what we do. We keep moving. You keep moving. To lose is to go, oh, well, my happiness, my joy, the love that I experience is dependent on other people. The success is to say, fuck that shit. It's always been me. You know what I mean? It's always been me loving myself, learning about myself, sharing about myself, growing with others, sh uh, and sharing all that sort of stuff. And that's empowering. Well, and, and really... It, it's because you're still also young, and so it really is. I think it's just the beginning of a new phase. Because I think if you ultimately just sort of, if you decide and you are resolved to like, well, I'm just gonna figure it out. I don't yeah. know. I'm yeah. just going to figure Maybe it out. You just lost coach, but Frazier's coming. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something about that. I, there, there's something that I've said this on my podcast before. Is the idea that. It's a good episode. And, and that actually, it sounds a little crazy, but when you look at your life as an episode of a show like Girls or Sopranos or Mad Men, you're like, this is a good episode. Not a bad thing. This is the episode where Pete gets the call that the show's not coming back. I'm watching that episode. Then what do you do? How are you going to report this? How are you going to... This, is, this isn't just higher power shit. This is like, how am I going to explain this to my kids? What is the story? What is my own personal legend? Is it that I got stabbed in the side and then just bled out? Or is it was like, I'm, I'm a shark. I'm going to keep moving. You know what I mean? That's a great way to, I mean. It's a good episode. Well, not only that, but, you know, as much as you say, <laughs> as much as you say it's important to pe for people to hear, like, oh, I jerked off in a hotel room and that makes it okay. I think it's very important for people to hear how to deal with different types of loss. Yeah. You know, like not. You know, from death loss to job loss, ultimately change. How do you deal with change, especially if change doesn't seem like this was part of the plan? And even good change that feels like it was part of the plan can still fuck with your head. Yeah. Change is change. You get used to a certain thing, and anything outside that is fucking is outside the dome, and how do you process right. it? Right, right, right. But I think it's important for people to hear that you feel 
um, that you feel this way. Yeah. About it, that well, you're okay with it because uh, honestly, you have a lot of fans who care very deeply for you and are very invested in you, and they're going to be heartbroken when they hear that. And so, it's important for them to know that you are like, hey, it's it was a sucky thing and it didn't work out the way that we necessarily wanted to, but that doesn't mean that something better is around the corner or that I'm going right. to be okay with it. Right. That was that was a crazy thing that I was like, I don't understand how it could be better. People were like, there's something better. But now I, I honestly have turned and been like, I think there is something better. Well, I can tell you from 20 years of, you know, like canceled shows and, you know, oh, I thought this was the one. I thought this was going to be the one. Nope. Yep. Oh, this seems like it. Nope. Yep. This is nope. And then, you know. That's what Nick Kroll told me, too. He's like, you think it's this, then it's not that. Then you think it's And the now when I look at all that. the things that I'm doing now, and I go, wow, I really love everything that I'm doing. If any one of those things had worked out. It's breakups. It's God bless the broken road that led me to you sort of stuff. I know that's a cheesy lyric. The Avid Brothers actually said it better. It's like all those mistakes led me to you. It's such a it's such a true thing, but there is something romantic about it. There you use the term heartbreaking. You fall in love. I felt like when I was waiting to hear if the show is getting picked up that the girl of your dreams has your phone number but you don't have hers. So you're waiting for them to call. And then when they don't or when they break up with you and you thought you were in love, you know what I mean? You fucked looking in the eyes, you know what I mean? (laughs) And then all of a sudden they're telling you that you're not going to fuck anymore and you're like, shit. And now all those things that you thought you weren't going to do anymore, I didn't think I was going to sleep alone in a bed. I didn't think I was going to laugh alone at Cheers anymore, you know what I mean? Then you realize... That never stops, Pete. <laughs> Cheers is always there. <laughs> you realize you... you I mean, I, I really do think it goes back to uh, self-love and, and finding a source of that sort of affirmation that, that occurs organically. And then, and then just looking at it like a breakup. All those things that, you, that broke your heart do lead to the next thing. It's the very, thing. you know, it's very, it's very difficult, this idea of self-love and, and feeling that you deserve good things or can even handle having good things is a very tricky thing to attain because most people and I think that's why some people get self-destructive because it's like I don't deserve this thing yeah. and so they break it and they're like oh god damn it yeah, I, yeah, yeah. it's broken you're like yeah I know you bro- I know because you people you know there's there, it, it, de- rejection is easier to deal with I mean it's easier to accept yep. not deal with it's easier yep. to accept a lot of the time and so when something breaks and people are like, yeah, well, well fu- of course, of well, course this happened. Yeah, because it's me. Of course this fucking happened because it's fucking me. Right. And then they get very comfortable in that space. So I think it's important to not get comfortable in that space and say, some things break, some things don't break. Yep. There's not a rhyme or reason to it necessarily. And you should, you know, or do you believe that? Do you think there's a rhyme or reason to it? I do. I, do. I mean, I don't see any downside in believing that there's a, a, a reason for these things. I, I you know, I, I that's what people do. The past is a story we tell ourselves. You know what I mean? So I do apply narratives to my life. I think that's one of the reasons why I tend to be a happy fellow. Like, it's it's not necessarily objectively, empirically true, but I will look at something like this and be like, that was a good thing, this was a good thing, this led to this and this led to this. And those are objective true facts. Happiness is... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, I think think a lot of happiness comes from being honest with yourself because I know that, um, especially after my dad died, I was very much honest about how sad I was and that that was okay. Yep. And it got me through it a lot better as if I was like, oh, why? No, why? Because I knew like... Some days I'm going to be really sad. Well, that's why I, I, I don't mean to, I think it just happened organically, link uh, this to, to your father's passing. Obviously, that's much more tragic. But I did 
I do have time. I was at the Webby's and I was like, I am just depressed tonight. It's not logical. It's not rational. It just hits you. It's like a water balloon filled with piss. But that's okay. Piss. Well, it's not okay to get hit with piss. But, but that. But the point is, that's okay. And for some reason, we've we've told ourselves as a culture now, it's not okay to ever feel bad ever. So if you do, something's really. You have to get out of this. It's like and fix it. No, sometimes you just got to feel bad. Sometimes yeah. you just have to like I am. park the car before you go back out on the road again. And I, I play a little Assassin's Creed. I kill some people. Everything's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say about that uh, self love. You know what? What my, one of my favorite self love exercises was? Maybe we talked about this, Matt, on on your episode. I don't know. Is all the things you most of the things you can do in a relationship you can do by yourself. But like a lot of things, you're like, oh, I wish I had a girlfriend. I'd go get a massage right now. Go get a massage. Love yourself. Like it's an important thing. It's like, oh, I'd be a funny comedian if I had a TV show. Or I could love myself and believe that I'm a good comedian. People think it's crazy. Chelsea makes fun of me for, for this a lot. But, you know, I get off stage all the time and I go like, I, good job, Pete. Good fucking job. Like, I, I'm with you all the time. Well, it's really, impor- <laughs> it's really important. It's important if you're going to beat yourself up for things that you think you mess up. It's important to then. I think, you should, I think people should make the deal with themselves. If you're going to beat yourself up when you think you fuck up, at least reward yourself when yeah. you think you do something right. You're killing Cause stuff. Because I think people don't ever take the time to do that. They're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was, I was supposed to do that. You're like, right. yeah, but enjoy the fact that you did it. Right. You know, like really give yourself that little, that little notch, you know, that reward point. Absolutely. That's how you have to parent yourself, basically. But the the bitch of it is is I I didn't self sabotage I try I tried my hardest <laughs> it's like the but, Dan, it's the Dane Cook bit I tried my best but I that's tried my that's best. that's the best that you can do <laughs> yeah but I, but that that leads to me saying we have a body of work that I will forever be proud of and you know what I keep going back to the Ben Stiller show this mm. is even called the the Pete Holmes show Ben Stiller show was canceled won an Emmy I don't think we're gonna win an Emmy. But I do feel like that's, that's the narrative I'm applying here. Johnny Carson canceled his first talk show. Jon Stewart canceled his first talk well, show. Well, everyone – I mean, like, everyone has a, a trail of failed – I mean, like, stuff that you did, didn't even make it to air you know that you've never even seen. If you don't, I don't trust you. <laughs> I, I, have, I have so many failed pilots of every yeah. type of show imaginable – the only type of show I never did was a, like a sports show, but um, pretty much everything else. Yeah, I've had, and you know, it's just like that's you, just part yeah, of are it. Are you referring to the sports show you just got picked up by AMC? <laughs> that's oh. the text that just came in. <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> I feel pretty good. Yeah. Wow. Well, what was I going to say? I forgot. What Doesn't matter. Chris is great. Ah. <laughs> uh, what, yeah. were you, what, what was your point? You were saying... No, I was saying it's important to reward yourself. I was saying... Oh, no, oh, I was saying... I have I was a saying, lot of failed things. No, I, was, I, was saying, I was saying it's okay to have a lot of failed things because right. it, it's... You know, and I, and I use... I wish there was a better word for something that... We say fail, but I don't really feel like they're failures. They didn't meet the goal of getting picked up, but yeah. they still satisfied... It, they st- you, you still benefited from them. I wish there was a word for like a beneficial failure. Maybe there yeah. is, and I just can't. But that think that, of it. Is, that is that goes back to our breakup talk, and this does feel a little bit like a, a benefail. A benefail. It's a benefail. I had a benefail, and that is a great <laughs> that's a great word. And we did a monologue about this. I'm so proud of like the little takeaways we put in the monologues because I, I I believe in sharing positive uh, thoughts and stuff. One of them was just because something fails. It doesn't um, mean, oh, something ends doesn't mean it was a failure. 
a, a very dear friend of mine told me that, and I, I've held on to that forever. Just because it ends doesn't mean it's a failure. My marriage ended. It didn't fail. I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot from it ending. This show is ending. It doesn't mean it was a failure. And you know what's crazy is I actually think that's starting to catch on. Nobody, you'd be surprised, the few people that I've told, nobody's like, ah, oh, God, you know what I mean? It's just like, okay, that happened. What's next? And that's the best that you can do. And that, and, and if you want to be, if you want to live a happy life. Yeah. And the result of that is that choosing to be happy about that will probably be the thing that helps make the next thing happen. Yeah. Because if you ultimately, and again, it's fine to be upset for a period of time. Yes. But, because that's just natural. But... You know, I, I played, if you I played some there, Rancid in the car and, and screamed along. <laughs> it was, felt great. Which Rancid song? I love Rancid's first album. There's a great... Injured is a great song. Yeah. That, time Bomb? I, I, time Bomb? Yeah. That's uh, a Rancid that, song. That is a Rancid song, but that, that's more ska. That's their ska stuff. Molly? Uh, that's also... I mean, we really need to go first Rancid. Okay. Rats in the Hallway. All right. Injured. Hyena. Adina, any of the A sounds. But though I, I screamed. I had shit to come out. So I, I don't want anyone listening to think that I, I'm the poster boy for like Spin Doctor and just and just only look at the positive. I'm also a big believer. Which Spin Doctor's album did you listen to? Just the two princes. Two princes? Single. <laughs> just the single. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, feel it, let it in. I'm, I'm all about that. In fact, I, like we were saying, that's our job is to experience what does it feel like. That's why I'm able to tell you it feels like a, a death. It feels like a heartbreak. feels like a breakup. All that sort of stuff. But moving forward... I mean, there's not, there's no downside. Well, and, the, and and then what'll happen is the next show, you'll go, oh man, I thought I really had it figured, but we, wow, this is so right on. We had to learn how to be bosses. The the way that we would, the things we would do differently. I, I was so happy with everything we had, uh, but like we would know how to fucking really knock it out of the park from the first inning. We started figuring it out going as we went, but I really feel like we're like, oh, we just went to the Olympics. And we got a bronze, you know what I mean? We still, we medaled, but we, we didn't win. <laughs> uh, maybe, the, maybe the analogy would be better if I didn't win a medal, but I'm going to say we got a bronze. And then next time I'm just going to be like, yeah, our comedy muscles are like quivering and veiny and oiled up. And it's like ready to, ready to lift some shit and, and, and take what we learned. It's, again, it's just like a relationship. The stuff that I learned in the relationship and the relationship and the relationship leading up to the, the next relationship is all stuff that I couldn't have learned if I just stayed married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you and, and it I guess, you know, some people might go, well, maybe you're just not being honest. Like, yeah, well, you can either look at it in the most negative way possible or you can try to learn something from it. Life is still going to go on either way. Which path do you want? Right. Do you want the one where you're just you can't get out of bed every day because you're like, ah, oh, I didn't. Rah, rah. Or, or do you, you want to wake up with Chloe and another woman? Sarah. <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> or does she want to wake up with me and another man? Uh, possibly. <laughs> Ew, gross. <laughs> Jonah Ray. Gross. Jonah was quiet this episode. I'm sorry. He was no, just absorbing. Funny. I think. Yeah, yeah. I like I, listening to Pete. I talk so much. Pete's a great funny. talker. And I think that's one of the, I mean, it's not surprising to me that your podcast took off as fast as it did because you were, you know, you you, you do make things sound very okay when you talk about it. You make horrible things sound okay. You really do. You really do. I appreciate that. I, that's, that's something that I've... Uh, 
I'm drawn to in other people as well. Like I said about your your jerk off bit. But I mean that that the is jerk off bit. That's something jerk I, off. I would say to the staff. I said people never get tired of hearing you are okay, which I'm getting in part from Mad Men, which he said was the message of every ad is no matter what it is, you are okay. I'm behind this season. Oh, that's like season three. I'm behind. I'm behind everything. Oh, really? Yeah, that's so good. I know. I gotta catch up. I gotta catch up on the Mad Men. Well, I still got a year before the last eight episodes or whatever. Oh, seven God. episodes. Why are they doing that? So fucking annoying. <laughs> it is. They worked with Breaking Bad, so now every show is just going to withhold stuff. When is Netflix just going to take over and everything will just be available? Like, well, hopefully never, because I think AMC has some quality programming and uh, they make good decisions all the time. 100% of the time, I believe. 100% of the time. I forgot about that. I'm what are you sorry. talking about? Oh, I did too. Oh, I wasn't even saying about... Oh, because I have two shows with them now. I wasn't even saying that because of them. I was just... I had completely forgotten. Can I just wrap this whole thing up with that love letter to stand-up comedy? I re- I just feel like... That is always the most empowering thing. Is it, it, It's like feeling attractive in some way. Meaning, if you're an incredibly hot woman and your boyfriend breaks up with you, you know you'll probably be fine. Like, you could, you could just jump to the next guy. Like, I'm talking about somebody truly gorgeous. Similarly, if you have stand-up or if you have some sort of craft, this is such a Jonah Ray thought, something you can do on your own, even if it's not stand-up. It, just, like, the, the Watterson thing. You yeah. love painting you love drawing you love writing music something that people can't take away from you is so essential we talked about i said one of the things i said to the staff i was like we're the soup we lost our pot you know what i mean so there's different pots but like to have your own soup stuff is so essential well and that's why that's why it feels better to lose your own show as opposed to i lost a show that I really had no emotional investment. I was like, oh, they just cast me. They just put right. me in a thing. Right. It's like, because you know that you're the one that made it work, and you can make something else work somewhere else. That's right. And the people that I worked with were, were truly incredible. So onward, onward. Home. Well, this, this was great. I can't. <laughs> this really flew. How, how long did we do, Katie? Uh, 112. 112? It felt longer. What did does it? that tell you about each other's thicker. feelings towards each other? <laughs> it, felt, it felt thicker. It felt thicker. And thicker, wider, deeper. <laughs> really in there. Uh, well, yeah, I thought I thought it was fitting to talk about it on this show first. It was we a skinny fat episode. We're n- Ooh, <laughs> oh, damn. That is laser. <laughs> we uh, we're not telling people till June. Okay, so when is this going up, Katie? June June fifth. June fifth. Yeah. Okay. We'll hold June it till June fifth. Oh my god. Right June fifth. If you've downloaded this episode tonight and you're in Phoenix area, come see me and Jonah at Stand Up Live. We'll be there. Yeah. How stuff. dare you tack that yeah, onto my heartbreak? It's about stand-up, though. It's just... Ah, that's true. <laughs> Go see Matt Soup. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a perfect place to say to everyone, enjoy your crispy burrito. Ooh, enjoy it crispy. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. 
comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges. They will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win $200 million. Thousands, not millions. $200,000. Prepare, because it's about to be ugly crying, lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The Goat, premiering on Freebie and Prime Video on May 9th.